So have you ever received a gift and you really didn't know what you were supposed to do with it? I can think back of an example of that in my own life from just a few years ago at Christmas time. We had all gathered together as a family and a family member got me a gift. Now, I'm always incredibly grateful when someone gets me a gift and I, when people think of me and spend money on me, like I'm always grateful and always thankful. But this gift was, well, I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it because they got me a box full of hockey memorabilia. So it was filled with um, different items from our NHL hockey team here in Ottawa, the Ottawa Senators. So it had an Ottawa Senators t-shirt. It had an Ottawa Senators pin. It had an Ottawa Senators blanket. It had an Ottawa Senators socks. And... I'm opening this gift up and I'm convinced that they must have put the wrong name on the box because I don't know anything about hockey. Like, I don't watch hockey. I've never played hockey. Like, I'm a nerd. I I was into comic books and movies. I I was never into sports. So, you know, I was very thankful for the gift. But after that Christmas, what am I supposed to do with this? So those items just kind of ended up sitting in a box and that box gets put into another box into storage and ends up just sitting in some dusty storage room in my basement. You see, so often we can receive gifts and we don't know what we're supposed to do with them. Or we can receive a gift and we go, well, I don't think that's the gift for me. Well, now let's think about for a moment about God. And what if God were to give you a gift and you just weren't sure what you're supposed to do with it? You just weren't sure how that gift is supposed to play out in your life. Now, when I'm talking about gifts from God, I'm not talking about blessings from God. I'm not talking about God gifting you good health or God gifting you with a job or God gifting you with a family or anything like that. What we're going to talk about today and for the next couple of weeks afterwards is we're going to talk about the gifts that God gives to every single follower of Jesus, that God gives us spiritual gifts. And this is an important topic to look at over the next few weeks because I think, sadly, so often in our lives and in the life of a local church, we don't really know what we're supposed to do with these spiritual gifts. So if you're new with us today, my name is Kevin, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt Church. And we're in a sermon series called Convergence, based on the book called Convergence by Pastor Tom uh, John Thompson, who is a pastor here in Canada. And we're looking at this book because it really does a great job of looking at how God wants to work in the life of believers in the context of the local church. If you are new or maybe you've been with us the whole time, I just want to kind of summarize some of the big ideas that we've talked about over the last number of weeks to really kind of keep that flow going of what we've been learning and how each topic, even though they're kind of standalone each week, they really do build on top of each other. 
we started the series off looking at how you and I, as followers of Jesus, are called to have a godly influence in the world. But sadly, because of sin in our fallen world, that sinful fallen world wants to have a negative influence on us. And then we saw how Jesus is not just simply our Lord and our Savior, but he truly is our model for the Christian life. And how Jesus used spiritual practices, how Jesus exercised his spiritual gifts in order to do the ministry while he was here on earth. And then we talked for a couple of weeks about the different spiritual practices, things like reading our Bible, things like prayer, different things like that. And we saw how spiritual practices are not something that we have to do. They are something that we get to do in order to hear from our Heavenly Father, to draw closer to God, to know His will for our lives. But then we saw, as we do those spiritual practices, God then begins to do a work on our character. Because if you and I want to have a godly influence in the world, we need to make sure that we're allowing God to build in us godly character. And then we saw a part of that process that God does is he calls us to a life of pruning. When you and I start bearing fruit in our lives, spiritual fruit, then God starts pruning things out of us in order to bear even more fruit. And then last week, Jasmine brought us through the Lord's Prayer as just one of the spiritual practices on how that practice of seeking God in prayer draws us close to him and helps that work on our character to take place. And so now we're going to kind of continue and we're going to move now into the conversation about spiritual gifts. But before we talk about the gifts that I want to look at today, it's important to understand that in the Christian context, sadly, there is a lot of division when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts. There's a lot of tension, and it can actually get quite messy in a church when we talk about spiritual gifts. Because depending on the background that you come from, the Christian experience that, that you might be more familiar with, we can tend to look at these spiritual gifts through the lens of those practices or of those beliefs. I mean, just as an example, there are a number of Bible-believing, Holy Spirit-filled Christians who believe that some of the gifts that we read about in the New Testament um, no longer exist in the world today. It's a theology known as cessationism, that a number of gifts have ceased, that those gifts were only for the apostles to affirm their apostleship and to affirm the writing of the New Testament. And then once the apostles were gone, those gifts were gone with them. There's other type of things where we see people have a lot of tension about the priority and the importance of gifts. And is every gift supposed to be used every single time any number of Christians gather? And some people would say, yes. But we have to look at these topics with a very open hand because Thankfully, in our day and age, we're not the first to deal with the tension of spiritual gifts because we see that happening directly in the New Testament as well. 
We see examples of this in the book of 1 Corinthians, where people were putting some gifts, the priority of some gifts over the others. Some people were saying, if you don't have this gift, then you're obviously not really a Christian. Some people were saying that some gifts are more important, they're holier, they're, they have more spiritual weight. And the Apostle Paul had to kind of bring them back, say, no, 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 no. That's not how these spiritual gifts work. Every gift is important. Every gift is needed. But they all need to be done out of our Christian character of love for one another. So that's what we're going to be looking at for the next few weeks. We're going to look at these spiritual gifts. Now, before we jump into what gifts we're going to look at, just want to give you a little bit of a working definition. And so this definition came directly out of uh, the book Convergence. I'm just going to read the quote here. And we're going to look at a number of scriptures that you'll be able to see where this definition gets built directly from the scriptures. And so here, you know, what uh, the pastor John writes in his book, he says, what exactly is a spiritual gift? And he says this, he says, a spiritual gift is a special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body of Christ according to God's grace for use within the context of the body. They are endowments or special skills given by God that, that, that enable us to make our unique contribution. They are not natural talents, but divine abilities that enable us to do ministry to build other people up. There's a lot of great statements in that definition here, and we're going to unpack that a little more as we go forward. But I want to just read from Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. And I think this is really the great important thing that we need to remember when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts. This is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Again, Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. It says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and them members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, that's ultimately the heart and the attitude that we have to have when it comes to spiritual gifts, that you and I are all a part of one body of believers. And every single person, every single member who is a part of the body of Greenbelt Church has a spiritual gift that is needed to build up the body of Greenbelt Church. Everyone is important. Everyone is needed. Everyone has a role to play to contribute to the work that God wants to do in and through all of us. It's not a question of how long you've been attending. It's not a question of your Christian maturity or anything like that. All of us belong to the body. You know, I think for far too long, uh, the, the Western church has just been seen as something that we participate in, that's something that we go to in order to receive the blessing of some people's gifts. That there's some people who use their spiritual gifts while everyone else just consumes. But we don't see that anywhere in the teachings of the New Testament. What we see is everyone 
contributing to the work that God wants to do through the church, through the body of Christ, through these spiritual gifts. So what we're going to do today is we're going to dive in and I'm going to start teaching you about the different spiritual gifts. Now, within the New Testament, we find there are about 21 spiritual gifts. Some people change the number a little bit. Some people kind of categorize them and group them together a little bit differently, and that's totally okay. But we're going to look at all of these spiritual gifts. And one of the things that I really love about the book Convergence is how they categorize them. He's got them grouped up into three different categories, and each gift falls into one of these three categories. So these three categories are love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. And what tends to happen in a local church is one group of Christians will tend to, not always, but it happens a lot, even here at Greenbelt, we tend to focus on one or two categories more than all three of them. Because maybe one of the categories we're not as familiar with or we're not as comfortable with or we're just not sure what we're supposed to do with it. So we put it in a box and we put it away in storage. (laughs) We don't know what to do with the gift. So each and every gift is important. And as a church is trying to navigate how to use them and how to exercise these gifts, it can get messy. So again, that's why we have to hold it very loosely. We don't close our fist around spiritual gifts and start punching each other with with this teaching. We have to really look at it with an open mind and an open heart. So today we're going to start by looking at love gifts. And so these love gifts are crucial for a church to function well. right? Love gifts are a supportive way that... We build up the body of Christ. They are the way that God works and blesses through the context of a local church. And so the gifts that we're going to look at today, and I'm going to give definitions and examples from Scripture of these gifts. And my hope is that maybe some of you will see those gifts already at play in your life. And so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about these love gifts. We're going to talk about four of them today. We're going to talk about administration. We're going to talk about helps. We're going to talk about mercy. And we're going to talk about giving. And so we can find a number of these gifts. Some of them here are described in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, down in verse 27. Some of them are listed here. You can read where it says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, the apostles, second, the prophets, third, the teachers, and then miracles. Then the gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kind of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire greater gifts. See, what Paul is talking about here, he's saying there's these gifts of leadership, that are in the church. We're going to talk about those next week. But to support the gift of leadership, we need the love gifts in action. You see, when the leadership gifts aren't able to be exercised in the church because they're so busy, the leaders are so busy doing the love gifts, then the leadership stuff of the church doesn't happen. 
And so let's look at some of these uh, gifts of love, these love gifts. So we're going to start now. We're going to look at the gift of administration. So sometimes the gift of administration is also called the gift of guidance. That's the way Paul calls it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says it's the gift of guidance. Right? The, this gift involves a capacity to manage details of service. Right? So that it supports and it frees up leadership to prioritize their efforts. So again, this gift of administration, this gift of guidance, it's a gift that supports leadership. So that, and it frees up the leadership to do what God has called leaders to do. Right? And so here we can see this gift of guidance, this gift of administration. Well, what are some of the ways that you can tell whether or not you have this gift? Well, I'm just going to read off some examples here that are given in the book, and then maybe some of these will resonate with you, right? If you have an effortless skill for organizing tasks and people, if you like to streamline and clarify the steps required to accomplish more complex tasks, right? If you think more than work, right? If you imagine ways to help others reach their goals, if you have a concern for the good of the whole group when you're actually not in charge of that group, right? You might not have the top leadership in that group, but man, you've got such a desire to see that group really thrive and do even better, right? When you're at your best, when you're meeting the needs that leaders have, right? You like to do things that help other people, right? You don't mind managing things and carrying out the details involved, one of the best examples in the New Testament of that gift of guidance, that gift of administration happening, comes from Acts chapter 6. This is the story when there was all this tension going on in the church because they were distributing food to widows. And what was happening was the Jewish widows were getting more of the food than the Greek widows. And some people were getting really concerned with that, going, hey, 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 we're all supposed to be equal here, right? Jesus died for all of us. We all have the Holy Spirit in us. We're all the church. And so why are the Jewish widows getting more than the Greek widows? And so the apostles, they basically looked for people with a gift of administration to say, look, we need to focus on the teaching of God's word. We need to be focused on prayer because that's our spiritual gift. And so they said, find amongst yourself you know, godly men, godly women with this gift to administer. And they basically put into place the office of deacons to manage those things, to allow leaders to be freed up to do what they love to do and what God has called them to do and to organize and get things structured and, and get tasks and all these complex systems in place so that everyone can be taken care of. I mean, I am so incredibly grateful for our deacons here at Greenbelt Church. You would not believe the incredible work that they do behind the scenes, right? It's one of those jobs that most people never know about and never hear of, 
right? But the way they manage, they steward our finances, the way they take care of our facility, our building, the way they've been approving all the changes that we've had to do to make ministry in a pandemic world a reality with technology and the internet and all of these things. Like these are amazing men and women who've got an incredible gift of administration and guidance. Right to hear the vision, the crazy visions that I come up with sometimes, and, the, and it doesn't freak them out. They go, yeah, we can make that happen. And I just trust them to go and make it happen. It's a great relationship. <laughs> and we see that play out in Scripture, and we see that play out exactly in our ministry here. So that's this first love gift. It's this gift of administration or the gift of guidance. The second gift that we look at today is called the gift of helps. Or, depending on the translation of your Bible, it might be the gift of service, of serving. And again, we can read about this gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see it quickly here mentioned in verse 28. I read that earlier. You can also see it mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 4. So here in chapter 4, verses 10, it says... Uh, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Again, reminder, what is the gift for? Came out of our definition. You don't receive a spiritual gift just for yourself. <laughs> you don't receive a spiritual gift so you can have a better Christian life. You receive a spiritual gift to serve others. It says, as a faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks then they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And we also see this gift again is also repeated in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8. You can look that up yourself. I won't read it this morning. Right. See, this gift, this gift of help, this gift of service right, is mainly given in order for people to help in very practical ways. Right. It offers effective service to people in need. Right. Often we see throughout scripture and we see it play out in the life of the church. Often the gifts of help is played out in direct one to one ministry. Right. And and this gift, if I were to survey our church family, this is probably the gift that we have the most. And pretty much all the churches that I've been a part of in all the years that I've been a follower of Jesus. This is the gift that you tend to see play out more and more in the local church, because that is what it means to be the body of Christ is how we love one another and how we care for one another. And how we, you know, pray for one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, all of these things that the Bible asks us to do. A lot of the times it comes out of this spiritual gift of helps and of service. You see, if it was all about one pastor by him or herself serving everybody, well, then not a lot of other stuff gets done, especially if a church grows. Right, And so this gift of service, here's a, the definition from the book. It says here, it says, the gift of helps refers to the capacity to unselfishly meet the needs of others through very practical service. 
So how can you tell if you've got the spiritual gift of helps? Again, from the book, it asks these questions. It says, if you realize that you have an urge to help others and you seem to notice without being told ways other people can be assisted, if you don't mind taking on behind-the-scene work and enjoy doing what other people avoid doing, if you enjoy doing things without credit just for the joy of it, then you might have the spiritual gift of helps. Right, And we see how so blessed the church is when people exercise this gift. Again, I see this again and again and again when so many of you notice a need. And we don't need a church system. We don't need a process. You don't need to ask my approval to do it. You just do it. You just bless someone. You just help someone. In need that direct one-on-one help it's amazing when you see that work and again so often because it happens behind the scenes because it happens in a way that people don't want any credit for it so often I hear of these stories and I see these things happen I'm like hey that was amazing can I share your story with the whole church and people are like no 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 that's uh, no <laughs> or could you share your testimony about like no 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 because they don't want to be up front speaking words. They want to be behind the scenes just serving people. And God bless those people because it's a crucial component to life in the body of Christ. And so I just want you to know if you've got that gift, I see it. And it's so appreciated. Thank you for serving so faithfully. So we talked about administration. We talked about helps. The third gift I want us to look at today in this love gift category is the gift of mercy. Now, sometimes the gift of mercy, this is why sometimes people say it's 21 gifts. Sometimes people say it's less. Sometimes people lump mercy with helps because they're pretty closely similar in a number of ways, right? So in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, it talks about this gift. It says, you know, if you have, it's talking about spiritual gifts in Romans 12. It says, if the gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so mercy is a special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to feel genuine empathy and compassion, right? For individuals who are suffering distress, physical, mental, or emotional problems. And because of that genuine empathy and compassion that they have for people who are hurting, right, it translates into, into cheerful deeds done for those people to love them and to help alleviate their suffering. Now, so often we're going to see throughout the next few weeks, a lot of times what we'll see in the New Testament is all Christians are called to something, but there's also a spiritual gift of it. And mercy is one of those examples. Every single follower of Jesus is called to live a life of mercy. All of us, no exception. Jesus said these words in Luke chapter 6, verse 36. He said, be merciful. He gives a command to his followers, be merciful, just as your father is merciful. So there's a call on all of us to be merciful, 
but there's also a special, specific spiritual gift given to some people who exercise the spiritual gift of mercy, right? And so how is mercy different from helps? Well, right, what we see about mercy is that mercy is about who the gift is directed at, right? Sometimes helps Right, is more to help out the leadership of the church to accomplish their mission. Or it's you notice someone needs a hand with something. You know, you need someone needs some help fixing something at their house. Someone needs some help raking the leaves at their home. You know, there's a, a widow or an, uh, there's a, a single mom or, or there's a senior and they just need a hand with doing some labor stuff that they can't do anymore. So you just go and help that way. So that helps us focused on that. Mercy is when you're really walking closely with someone who is really struggling, who's really hurting. Have you ever come alongside someone, maybe because you have a spiritual gift of help, and you've had a family member or someone else in the church who is like really struggling with a physical, mental, emotional problem, and you go in there thinking that you can help? And then that situation starts burning you out real fast. Like that person starts, starts wearing on you real fast. It's because you don't have the gift of mercy. It's because you've got the gift of helps. The person with the gift of mercy in those situations becomes so incredibly compassionate and so incredibly loving that they become Jesus to that person. Like it's living out the ministry of Jesus and his love and his compassion to people that are hurting and struggling. Again, when I witness people with that spiritual gift, like my wife has got that gift way more than I do. <laughs> like I love to help people and mentor people and disciple people and bring words to people and things like that. But I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy. <laughs> I don't. I can come alongside and I can help for a while, but it doesn't build in me that huge compassion like I see what it does in my wife when she comes alongside people who are hurting in a deep way. And we have many people in our church family with that gift. And maybe you have that gift too, to come alongside people who are hurting and struggling and in need of a touch from God. So again, love gifts. We talk about administration, talk about helps, talk about mercy. And then the final one that I want to talk about today is the spiritual gift of giving. Right In Romans chapter 12, verse 8, we read, If your gift is giving, then give generously. Right? People with this gift have a deep sensitivity to God and a desire to channel resources to other people. And they do it with joy, with the right motives, and with great generosity. Now, like the, a lot of these other love gifts that we've looked at, see, all Christians are called to give cheerfully. Every Christian, regardless of our income, regardless if we're rich or if we're poor or anything like that, we are all called to live a life of cheerful givers. And why is that? Well, we're called to be cheerful givers because of the incredible gift we have received. See, we have received the gift of salvation for our sin. 
You see, the Bible teaches us that because of the sin that you and I have in our lives, whether it's just that little tiny white lie, whether it's that little tiny thing, that little glance, that little bad thought, that little kind of that little fight that we had with someone, that little dark thought that we had about somebody, regardless of how small it is, the Bible calls it sin before a holy, just, perfect, loving God. And the Bible says all sin has to be dealt with. But the wages, the price, the penalty of sin is death. All of us, every human being on the planet deserves death for our sin. But thanks be to God. Because God so loved the world, he, he doesn't condemn us to death He gave us a way to be saved from death and to come into new life by sending Jesus. You see, Jesus is fully God. He's the second part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity in heaven. And Jesus came down and he lived a sinless life, born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, practicing spiritual disciplines to hear the will of his Father And he went and told people about this kingdom of God, which is near, that you can have abundant life, have life to the full, that you could be set completely and totally free from that penalty of death by simply following him, by believing that he is the son of God who died for your sin, by believing that God rose him from the dead, by believing That he loves you. And he wants to come into your life. The Bible says when we do that, that's when we are made new. That is an incredible gift that we've received. And maybe you're here with us today and you've never accepted that free gift. I want you to know that you are not here by accident. And I believe God in this moment wants you to receive this incredible gift of salvation. And you can receive it right where you are. You don't need to take a class. You don't need to take a course. You don't have to sign up for it right where you are. You could just pray very simply. Just pray these words. Say, Father, thank you for your forgiveness. I know that I have sin. And I know deep down there's nothing I can do to wash that sin away. So, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. Today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Come in me and make me new. If you pray that prayer today, there's a little pop-up that shows up here in the chat at Greenbelt Online. I would so love if you would just click that button. It just says, raise your hand to accept Jesus. That just lets us know that you've prayed this, and we just want to celebrate and rejoice with you. And once you click that, a second uh, pop-up shows up. That If you would just click that second button, it brings it to a little form. If you would just send me your name and your email address. No one else is going to see that but me. I'm the only one who will see that. And I just want to send an email to you. I just want to rejoice with you and celebrate with you and maybe get some free resources to you to help you on your journey with Jesus. So I pray that you would and really encourage you to click that today. But that is the gift that all of us have received. And so out of that gift that we've received, we are generous. See, generosity 
is a spiritual practice, as we saw. It's a practice that helps to free us from the love of money. But it's also a spiritual gift that God puts into the lives of some Christians. And it's not just for the rich Christian. I think one of the best examples that we see in the New Testament of the spiritual gift of giving comes from a poor young boy. When thousands and thousands of people were listening to the teachings of Jesus, people were hungry, but there was no place for them to go to buy food. And this young boy, this poor boy who had nothing to his name but a few loaves of bread and a few fish, out of his gift of giving, gives those loaves and those fish to Jesus, who blesses it and multiplies it and feeds it to thousands of people. See, that's that act of giving, of not that spiritual gift of giving, of not hoarding things for ourselves, but seeing the need around us and sowing into that and giving to that and giving to that. Whether it's pennies or whether it's millions of dollars, it doesn't matter. But that's that gift at action. And then when that spiritual gift takes place, God takes it and he multiplies it and he does incredible things with it. So today, do you find yourself relating to any of the gifts that we've talked about today? I'm sure a whole number of you do. And are you using those gifts? Have, has God revealed to you ways that you could be a blessing to the body of Greenbelt Church of using those gifts? Because the big idea that we're looking at today and next week and the week after. It's going to be the same big idea for three weeks. It's this. As a church, we want you to know your spiritual gift and serve out of those. We don't want you to serve out of tradition. We don't want you to serve out of, well, I've always done this or I've always felt I'm supposed to do this. We want every single believer in Jesus in our church family to be serving out of their spiritual gifts. Because we believe that if you serve out of those gifts, not out of guilt and obligation, but serve out of the gifts that God has given you, maybe if you take that box out of the storage and shake the dust off and step into that gift, that God truly will do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So over the next few weeks, we're going to give you more ways that you can grow in this and more ways that you can find ways to serve and use your gifts. But I want you thinking about that this week. And if you're here today and none of these ones resonate with you, that's okay. We'll get to yours next week. (laughs) So let's pray together. Father God, I praise you and thank you for how you work in the body of Christ. God, I praise you and thank you that the church is not a one-man show. That it doesn't all fall or rise on the shoulders of one person but it's each and every member of the body. Every single person has value in your church. Every single person is important in the church. And so, Father God, I pray as we continue this series of convergence that you would grow us, that you would stretch us, that you would help us to have the conflicting, messy conversations about spiritual gifts. So, God, that we would be united as a church family living out our faith 
and using your gifts to build one another up, to equip one another up in ministry so that we could come and see more and more people know the love of God that's been shown to the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship now, I pray that you would just show us, speak to each of us, was one of these gifts mine? And do I need to start living it out more and more? And so, Father, as we worship you, I pray that you would just guide each and every one of us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.